Hi, I'm Sarah. Good morning. I'm going to read scripture today. Today we're in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Give you a second to flip there or scroll there. I'm already there. Um, All right. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Good morning, Red Hill. My name is David Starry. I am the lead pastor of First Light Church in Vandalia, Ohio. Um, We also have a campus in Butler Township, um, Ohio, which is just about three miles as the as the crow flies. And uh, I have had the great honor and opportunity uh, to be the youth pastor um, to these two fellows sitting right here on the front row. Um, It was a great joy and pleasure to do that. Um, As Sarah shared with you, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8. So if you'd like to turn your Bibles there, uh, that'd be a great thing. We'll get started. Um, I do want to thank Raiden for giving me the opportunity um, to be able to share with you today um, from God's Word and and to preach to you. Um, We've had a a great um, weekend, Um, Rusty, myself, uh, Alan Finley um, as uh, overseers for Red Hill, just to come in and spend some time with uh, your staff and with your elders and to be able to um, kind of process a little bit um, of, of what's going on uh, here at Red Hill. Um, as I shared with you, um, I, I was the youth pastor of these guys in Cushing, Oklahoma, and um, I could spend a lot of time today um, telling stories about um, Raiden and Rusty, right? Um, embarrassing stories um, about Raiden and Rusty, um, but uh, we're listening. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's not why we've gathered, and uh, maybe there will be another time uh, that we can share those things. Um, but uh, both of these guys um, have led well. Um, both of these guys uh, mean a great deal to my life. And um, I'm just telling you guys, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you're doing. I'm proud of how you're leading. I don't think any of us um, back in the 90s would have, uh, back, you know, last century, um, would have, uh, uh, millennium, yeah, um, would have ever thought um, that we would be in the places that we are doing the things that we're doing, and, but by the grace of God, amen. And, um, and you as a church um, are getting... Um, the blessing um, to be led by um, a really, really great man of God and a great leader. And, um, and so I love both of you guys, Sarah. I love you. I love how you're taking care of my man over here. I'm not going to call you my boy. All right. Um, Because you were already um, well on your way. Um, When I showed up, I just got to steer you for a little while and um, just so grateful for your family. Um, Man, this is a big day for you, right? Um, as a church, um, being able to celebrate um, seven years of existence is a big deal, and and don't don't let that go unnoticed. Okay, um, a lot of churches that start um, 
They don't, they don't last this long. And, uh, and you guys are still going and you're moving and, and you're, you're birthing new works um, uh, that's going to be able to communicate this incredible thing of the love of God to a world that desperately needs that. Um, it is our joy um, as First Light Church to be in partnership with you. And so we, we pray for you um, on a regular basis. Um, we, we help you in any way that we possibly can. And, um, and man, I've had the joy of, of Raiden being um, in our place and speaking to our staff and to preaching to our church. And I'm just grateful um, for the partnership that we have um, with Red Hill. Um, and so, um, man, thanks for, thanks for allowing us to do that. Thanks for me, letting me be here um, today. Um, I told you I could share a lot of stories about Raiden and Rusty, but um, would really like to spend our time talking about kind of the greatest story, uh, or at least a part of the greatest story ever told, um, and focusing on Jesus today. And God's Word has a lot to tell us about the life and the ministry, the characteristics um, of Christ. And he shares this with us so that we can know Christ um, so that we can embrace his mission and so that we can grow in our faith. And in this passage today, it, it reveals to us that at times in all of our lives, we're going to experience um, some storms um, of all different shapes and sizes um, of impact. Um, the storms that come into some people's lives may not carry a lot of impact. Um, I think it's interesting how we evaluate that. Um, it doesn't seem like a big storm when it's not happening to you. But if it's happening to you, you're in, the, you're in the middle of the hurricane, right? And you're trying to figure out how to navigate it. Um, and so when we hear this idea of storm, um, a lot of different things come to our minds, right? A lot of times we think um, of, of uh, tornadic activity, right? Um, we think of, um, we're up in the, uh, the southwest part of Ohio. We have, um, we get the opportunity to be blessed um, from October, late October um, through about uh, sometimes mid-April with this white powdery garbage um, that just does some things. And sometimes it can be more significant than others. And I know you know a little bit about, uh, about that. But we think of tornadoes and hurricanes and floods and blizzards. Um, those are the very first things when we talk about storms that pop into our mind. And while these are all examples of storms, um, there are other things that are storms in our lives that that really affect us probably more frequently than some of these other things that we talk about. Um, they carry significant devastation um, to our lives, um, including uh, all people, I would say, but, but really followers of Jesus. And sometimes there's this thought that as a follower of Jesus, we really shouldn't encounter those things, right? It should be smooth sailing, and yet um, in Scripture, God never promises that. Jesus never promises that it's going to be easy, as a matter of fact, it's just the opposite, and we'll talk about that in a minute. There are storms in our life that, that are relational in nature, right? Relational storms, things that come up, really hard to deal with, hard to process, um, hard to know what to do. Um, people that were friends that are no longer friends, and, and relationships that existed that aren't there anymore, and there's, there's tension, there's conflict, right? There's those type of storms. There's economic storms. Um, our, our country's in, in a little bit of an economic storm right now, right? With, with incredible inflation and trying to figure out, hey, how do we do um, kind of similar things with, with what appears to be less money than what we had before? And, and, and then what happens if you lose your job? Occupational type of storms. And, 
And, and we think about uh, familial storms, right? And, and things that happen internally with our families and, and maybe within our marriages. I mean, there's all of these different things, health storms, right? Something that all of a sudden impacts what's going on in, in our lives physically. And, you know, in talking with several people about a, a lot of different things, as well as in my own personal experiences over the last several months, um, I, I don't believe that most people think that the storms of, of life are there to grow our faith. Right? I don't think that's the first thing that pops into our mind. We may get there at some point, but that's not where we go to immediately. And, and I think part of the reason that we can't see this is because when, when you happen to be in the middle of a storm, we're so busy looking at the storm that we forget to look to Jesus. Yeah. We just forget to put our eyes on, on the one who controls all of those things. And just to remember that, that Jesus is always there with us. This morning, we're going to look at, at, at a moment in the life of the disciples where um, they're in the middle of a storm. And, and it's unique, right? Because they're doing exactly what Jesus had asked them to do. And yet they find themselves going through some difficulty and some hardship and some, some troubles. And so even though they had seen and, and heard some just amazing things from Jesus leading up to this moment, we find these guys now scared and uncertain what to do and, and what they begin to learn in this journey. And I hope what we learn today in this journey is that Jesus calms storms to grow our faith. He, he gets us in the middle of these moments and he calms those storms to be able to grow our faith. So what can we learn and, and take away from this story of Jesus? Well, I think we have to remember that if, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, then you are a disciple. And first of all, disciples follow Jesus, right? If you're a disciple, by definition, you're supposed to follow Jesus. In verse 23 of our text, in Matthew chapter eight, um, the Bible says this, and when Jesus got into the boat, I love this, his disciples followed him. I mean, what else were they going to do, right? They're followers of Jesus. They're like, oh, well, you got in the boat. I guess we're getting in the boat. I guess this is where we're going to go. And so a little bit of context here of where we are in Scripture. Jesus' ministry is in full swing, right? Um, he's preaching. He's teaching. His, his healing ministry is there. And people from, from everywhere were wanting to interact with him, hoping to see him really perform a miracle, right? They had heard the stories, but... I mean, we're like this, right? We just want to see it with our own eyes, right? We want to be able to have that experience. And so there was this growing desire to follow Jesus, not so much, again, to be his disciple, but to really see something amazing. It's like when if we follow him long enough, he's going to do something pretty cool, and we want to be there to see it. And so Jesus' ministry headquarters, it was um, in a, a, a town called Capernaum. Capernaum was on the north um, side of the Sea of Galilee, right? And, and so just a, a beautiful area. Um, and, and even today, um, when you go to Israel and you take the tour, um, if you come to the town of Capernaum, what you're going to discover is there's a sign on this gate that's going into the town, and it says, the hometown of Jesus, right? Jesus' hometown is, is Capernaum. And so it was Capernaum where, where a scribe and one of the many disciples had shared that they had desired to follow Jesus. And if you read up um, a little bit before we get to where we are in verse 23 today, um, Jesus communicates to them that, that, that Jesus is worthy of unconditional trust, that he is worthy of undivided affection. And if you're going to be a disciple of his, you're going to follow him, then you have to count the cost. 
So Jesus has laid out this incredible teaching. And now what Jesus helped everyone see was that discipleship is all about following Jesus above all else. Doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter um, what your economic status is in the world, it's all about following Jesus above all else. Listen, there's always going to be something that's, that's pulling at us for our attention in time, amen? Right? It's, it's always gonna happen. Um, there's gonna be relationships, there's gonna be job opportunities, there's gonna be all of these things that are tugging at you and trying to pull you away. There's always going to be um, uh, difficult moments and, and difficult seasons in life. You're always going to have those. It's, it's the world in which we live. Those things are always going to be there. But no matter what, disciples follow Jesus. Right? It doesn't matter what all those other things are doing. If you're a disciple, you follow Jesus. And so when Jesus got in the boat, guess what his disciples did? They just got in the boat. They're just following Jesus. Now, one thing I, I, that I think the disciples weren't counting on was this second idea was that even when you're following Jesus, Storms always come, right? No matter if you're following Jesus or not, storms always come. Verse 24, behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. <laughs> what is this? But Jesus was asleep. Huge storm, they're taking on water and Jesus is taking a nap, right? He's in the boat taking a nap. Now, knowing what we know about where Jesus was taking them, I think it helps us identify the route and, and why this was a little bit of concern, right? The Sea of Galilee um, got to be there in 2019, um, got, to, got to see that, that incredible place. And the Sea of Galilee, 13 miles north to south, right? From Capernaum all the way to the southern side, 13 miles. Um, at, its, at its widest, it's seven to eight miles wide from east to west, all right, and so it's setting in um, this, uh, this part of the world and Jesus's track was going from Capernaum all the way to the southeast corner, which would be this area of the Gadarenes. That's where Jesus was gonna go. That means he was gonna have to travel by boat right down the heart of the Sea of Galilee. And you're like, oh, well, that doesn't sound like a big idea. Well, remember, he didn't have a 305 Chevy engine um, in his uh, inboard, right? Um, that, that's not what he had. I mean, this was a little bit of a, a tough work to get them there. They were going to go right down the middle of this body of water. Now, what people then and what people know today about the Sea of Galilee is that storms always come. Even our guide, he just said, hey, you guys pray tonight because if the water's rough tomorrow, we're not going to be able to get on the Sea of Galilee. Um, the things can turn rather quickly. And so just pray that it, it's, it's beautiful. And, and I think about these storms always coming. That's just true in life, isn't it? Things are going along just fine and all of a sudden a storm shows up, right? It's a drag. It, 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 it undoes everything that we're about. And, and we really shouldn't be surprised at the difficulties and the storms and the troubles that come because Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, verse 33, to be sure in this life, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have storms. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have hard times. Those are the words of Jesus, right? Telling everybody, just know it's not always gonna be smooth sailing. You're probably gonna have some great times, but there's also gonna be some times that things get tough. Now, the Sea of Galilee, not too different from life. It's prone to having sudden and violent storms. The reason for this is that the Sea of Galilee sets 700 feet below sea level. 
on the north side, um, you have Mount Hermon, all right, in the north. Um, on the east, you have the Golan Heights. On the west, you have, um, you have all the hill country of the Galilee. And there's these deep, nasty ravines that are cut all the way through that, all going to the Sea of Galilee. And so these winds, when they hit, and these storms show up and hit those, those ravines, all of that wind rushes down onto the Sea of Galilee and creates some enormous types of storms, tumultuous, sudden type of storms. And so Matthew here, he uses uh, an unusual word for the storm that, that commonly refers um, to something like an earthquake, which gives you an idea of just how rough the water was, right? Everything was shaking in that boat on that particular day. It was violent. The magnitude of the turbulence, the Bible says, was so great that the boat was being swamped um, by the waves. It's, it's filling up with water. And so when your boat's filling up with water, right, you got guys, you know, trying to shove water out of the boat. They're trying to stay afloat. And so when you're in these turbulent storms, just kind of taking us to life today, you can get overwhelmed, right? It begins to look like maybe there's, there's no way out. And you know that possibly life as you know it is at risk. Now, this is where the disciples found themselves that day. But where's Jesus? We just read that, that Jesus got on the boat and the disciples followed him on the boat. Where is he? Matthew tells us that Jesus was asleep. Now, my question is, how in the world, in a storm like this, can a person sleep and be seemingly at peace? If it's, if it's being equated with an earthquake, how on this planet can you sleep? I think there are a couple of reasons why Jesus could sleep through the storm. According to Matthew chapter 8, we go back just a little bit in verse 16. Jesus had been engaged in an, an enormous amount of teaching ministry, of, of healing people of different diseases. Uh, verse 16 says, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. Jesus cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, that he took our illnesses and he bore our diseases. Listen, Jesus was absolutely exhausted from his time of ministry. He was exhausted, and it, and it shows us something about Jesus, right? It shows us and highlights his humanity. It shows us that this was, this, he was a man. And so and, and another reason I think that this, this affected him this way is that, that not just was Jesus 100% man, he's showing us that he's 100% God, and that all things, including the wind and the waves, uh, the storms of this life, are all under his authority. He knew he had nothing to worry about because, A, it wasn't his time, and he gets to tell the storms what to do. The storms don't tell him what to do. He controls all of that. And I think this is a huge lesson for us today. Jesus is in control of all things, and that includes the storms you and I are in right now. The things that you're involved in and the hurts and the pains and the disruptions of life, Jesus is in control of all of that. He's, he's, he's very much in charge and the, that truth alone, I believe, should grow our faith. But, but here's really kind of, I guess, the truth of the matter, that no matter who you are and what your relationship with God is like, thirdly, there's always going to be times that stir, certain storms create fear. Some storms don't bother us at all. 
predictions out there. You're like going, eh, it's, it's going to be thunder, lightning. It's going to be that. And there's other storms that they're like going, hey, the potential for tornadic activity is great. And it's targeting your area. And some of those storms naturally create some pretty deep fear in our lives. Verse 25, they went and they woke Jesus saying, save us, Lord, we're perishing. And Jesus said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. You know, for many people, if not most, storms just create fear. They're just nervous about them. I think they create fear because there's this large element of uncertainty. You know, we're not really sure how it's all going to play out. Um, uncertainty in regards to timing, location, duration, impact, um, the devastation that actually might come with that storm. And so it, just taking the example of storms um, in relation to weather, right? Um, I don't know how it plays out here in Edwardsville, um, but um, in, in Southwest Ohio and the Dayton area, uh, when they start predicting um, significant snow, and when I say significant snow, it's not like three or four inches. I mean, we're talking 15 plus. And, and so when they predict that, um, everybody runs to Kroger, right? And so part of us, and then, then the storm doesn't come, right? And, and the Kroger's out of stuff. I think the weather people and, and the Kroger people, they're all in cahoots <laughs> together. And they're like going, hey, here's a chance for you to make some money. And you're going to, you know, the shelves are empty, right? People go crazy. I mean, they're grabbing stuff that they don't even need, right? They're like going, it's not even on sale, but God only knows if we're ever going to be able to get out in the next, you know, 10 years. So we, we've got to be able to do this. And so they, they, they act a little bit on the crazy side. Um, sometimes people try to outrun the storm, right? I mean, think in regards to hurricanes, um, you know, people in, in, in the, the Gulf Coast and along the East Coast, uh, hurricanes pro uh, projected um, to hit their area and they're boarding things up and they're trying to outrun that instead of riding it out. Listen, all of those are natural and responsible responses to coming storms. Um, but what happens and what do you do when it just comes out of nowhere? And in, in our life, that's kind of how the storms happen, don't they? Sometimes you can see that you've got a little bit of runway with them, and, and sometimes it catches you totally off guard. What do you do then? Well, I think many of us are just like the disciples that day. We're scared, right? We're, we're filled with, with all types of, of fear. And so the disciples, they, they, they remembered in this moment of fear, oh, yeah, Jesus is on this boat. I don't know where he is. But he's on the boat, and we've got to go find him. And so they, they search the boat. They, they go to Jesus. They wake him, saying, Jesus, save us. Lord, we're perishing. Now, to help us with the context of this, some of these men were professional fishermen. They made their living on the water. They, they knew the Sea of Galilee. They knew what it was about. They're terrified, and they don't know what to do. And so they're searching for Jesus. All of the disciples that are on the boat that day, all of them had left everything to follow Jesus. They'd left their families, they'd left their work, all to follow Jesus. And, and we find them thinking that if Jesus doesn't intervene, we're going to die. Life is going to be over. We're going to be at the, the deepest part of the Sea of Galilee. And I think this is a vivid picture of the hearts of, of thousands and thousands and thousands of believers in Jesus. Right? Track with me here. 
Many have faith and love enough to forsake all to follow Christ and follow him wherever he leads and yet are full of fears when the storms roll in. And boy, do they roll in, amen? When they come, they come with some force. And it's ugly. I know many, um, and I believe that this room probably is filled with people who are, are overwhelmed and are fearful of, of the storms in your life or the storms that, that you see on the horizon that, that are coming. And you're like going, well, what are you talking about? Cancer, right? Some of you are waiting on, on results potentially. You go to the doctor and it's like going, we'll call you. This doesn't look right. And you're waiting on that. Your marital relationship may be in jeopardy. And you're like going, this looks as though divorce is on the horizon. You, you've got internal family chaos. You've got things that you're struggling with in your relationships with your family. Your, your job is, is in question. Your company, the people that you work for or the company that you own are going, hey, I don't know if we can do this with, with the state of, of our economy and, and how we're gonna make this happen. You've got friendships, you've got relationships that are rocky, that, that, that need to be mended, and you're not really sure where to take all of that and how to address it. Some of you may be sitting there going, man, listen, I'm afraid of death. You know, I'm, I'm young, but I can't get my mind away from what's on the horizon in however many years. It, it could come. I mean, what are we to do when we start evaluating the weather report, right? And we're starting to see these things. I think we do what the disciples did. We come to Jesus, right? We cry out to Jesus and we trust Jesus with our life. And that's what they do here. They come to Jesus, they cry to Jesus, they trust him with their life. I find it interesting that according to Matthew, Jesus doesn't immediately calm the storm, right? I think Jesus is hilarious sometimes. It's like going, the most obvious thing, Jesus, is you need to calm the storm because this is what got these guys all freaked out. But he doesn't do that right away. Instead, he addresses their fear and he addresses their little faith, all while the boat's just being rocked by the storm. Many commentators, they believe that, that when Jesus interacted with his disciples, that he rebuked them. And I love here um, that Matthew doesn't call it a rebuke. Maybe he did. Matthew just doesn't call it out that way. Matthew tells us that in the middle of this incredible storm, Jesus asked them a question, right? In the middle of the storm, he says, why are you afraid, oh, you of little faith? Why are you afraid, oh, you of little faith? Why would Jesus do that? Why in the world would, would Jesus, in this moment of despair, ask them a question and not just deal with the problem, right? I really think Jesus, I think he wanted them to calm down. I think he wanted them to take a deep breath, right? You gotta fill your mind with oxygen so you can think a little bit, right? We're going so fast, so hard sometimes, we're not thinking. And Jesus says, I just want you to calm down, take a deep breath, focus on me. And then I think he wanted them to name their fear. I think he wanted them to name it. I think he wanted them to call it out and to be reminded that of all of their skill set and all the things that they bring to the table, that no one in this moment can save them but Jesus. 
He goes, I'm, I'm your only hope. I need you to get centered on this because this is bigger than you. So question just for us today, what is it that has swamped you and overwhelmed you with fear and concern today? What is it that, that's, that's, that's kind of right there in your world in this moment? I think you need to name it. I think you need to call it out. I think you need to be reminded today that Jesus is your salvation, amen? Has nothing to do with your skill set, how much money you make, where you work, what side of St. Louis you live on. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with Jesus. It's all about him. John 16, 33, we shared it just a minute ago. In the world, you're gonna have trouble. You're gonna have tribulation. You're gonna have storms. Listen, you're gonna have fears. And wouldn't it be horrible if Jesus just ended the verse right there? But he doesn't. He goes on. He says this, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Be sure this is all gonna happen. You're gonna have hard days, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus tells us in this moment, in this story, to fear not. It's the most commonly repeated phrase all throughout scripture. I think it's interesting that, that the most commonly repeated phrase is this phrase, fear not. Why? Because we're a scared people. Now, some of you guys are in there like going, I ain't scared. I'm scared of nothing. Well, you, nothing that you want to talk about today, right? There's something there. Something there that you don't talk about at your parties and the things that you're going a part of. But there's something that, given the right set of circumstances, will undo you. And Jesus, listen to this, he says, fear not. He says, fear not, trust, trust me. Storms bring fear. But friends, listen, we have Jesus. We have Jesus and Jesus will use the storms of our life to grow our faith. So storms bring fear, but, but we can be encouraged because look what Jesus brings. Jesus brings peace. Jesus brings peace. Jesus gets up from the cushion he's lying on. Last part of verse 26, he rose, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. I find it interesting and helpful, uh, maybe even encouraging to read in scripture and then to see something actually play out in my life um, where Jesus uses the happenings in my life to teach me. Now, maybe the bigger issue in those moments is, am I going to be teachable? Right? Am I going to let Jesus teach me in these, in these moments? But think about this. When Jesus gets up from sleeping, he doesn't immediately calm the storm. He addresses the fears and, and the faith of the disciples in that, in that order. And Jesus is teaching them that everything is under the sovereign control of Christ. Everything is under his control. He says, so, so trust me. And then he addresses the storm. He goes, you trust me, you put your, your focus on me, and I'll take care of this. I'll speak to this. Matthew, he uses, I think, some really harsh language here when he says that, that Jesus rebuked the winds and the waves, almost as if Jesus saw something deeper and darker in that storm that might put everyone in danger, right? He, he rebukes it. And so whatever it was that Jesus saw, the Bible tells us that Jesus spoke and there was this great calm, right? Now, this is not a dying down of the wind and the waves, right? Um, it was an instantaneous calm. This boat is being rocked. The waves are, are swamping the boat and instantaneously it stops. No waves, 
no wind, no rocking of the boat. Instantaneous calm, instantaneous peace. What a moment that had to be, right? To sit there and go, we're going to die. And then we're like going, we're going to live. You know, I mean, thank you, Jesus. This is where we are. Question for you. How many of you could use an instantaneous calm today? Raise your hand. Just be honest. Life is crazy, isn't it? Some of you in the middle of some pretty deep stuff. And we could use an instantaneous calm. My wife, Michelle, and I, um, we went to the Southern Baptist Convention a number of years ago. And, and um, you know, they're in the booth area, they have you fill out little things. And we filled out a little something. And it was for um, a chance at a trip to Israel. And all expense paid, trip for two. And we won. Yay. Right? And so, um, really cool. We've always wanted to go. It was on the bucket list, right? Um, go and then potentially take a team. And, and we were getting ready to take a team. And then... Uh, that weird thing called COVID showed up and uh, shut that, that thing down, but we'll go, we'll go eventually. But we got to spend, I shared with you some time on the Sea of Galilee. It was um, in uh, February, first part of February in 2019. And unlike the happenings of that day, um, the Sea of Galilee was like a sheet of glass, not a breath of wind. There was no waves, but what the boats created as they left that dock to take us out there. And I can't remember how far off um, we had gotten there, but they parked the boat, um, sang a few songs together, and, and then they just let us sit there for a minute and just get to take it all in. Um, my life in this season was um, turbulent. I don't know if it does it justice. I didn't know if I was going to be at First Light Vandalia. Um, I had taken a three-month I didn't know it was going to be three months at the time, but I'd taken an indefinite leave of absence um, in the middle of counseling. Our church had gone through a, a rough, rough, horrific season, and I didn't know if I was going to be the leader. And so there's nothing that will give you confidence like going halfway around the world and being away from all of the, the folks who could potentially um, undo everything that you had given your life to. I've been in Vandalia now for 21 years and um, thought, man, this is, this is it. And so it was turbulent. The storm clouds still looked incredibly, uh, I would say, ominous in that moment. Um, I'm just going to be real with you today. I was, I was scared. I was terrified. And here I am with my wife sitting on a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee with 60 people that I have no clue who they are, right? Just in the middle of nothing. And I felt in that moment as if God whispered into my ear and directly into my spirit, peace be still. Still echoes in my mind in that moment. And I was overwhelmed. I broke like a twig front of all these people, and I wasn't the only one, there were other people for other reasons, right? But in the storm that I was in, incredibly emotional, one of the top emotional moments of my entire life happened in one of the most amazing places, I believe, on this planet. And I don't know if you've ever felt as though it was an audible voice from God, and I know it wasn't, 
But it was to my heart, man. It was to me. God, God might as well have screamed it. Um, I've got this. I love you. I care about you. And you need to trust me with your life. Peace be still. Just an incredible, incredible moment. I just needed, I needed to trust Jesus. I, I needed to experience that calm. I, I bet today there are people in this room that just go, God, would you whisper, peace be still to my heart, right? Peace be still to my spirit. Listen, Jesus brings peace to the storms and he uses those storms to develop our faith. He uses the storms to develop our faith. This last verse, verse 27, the Bible says that the disciples marveled saying, what sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? They'd watch Jesus do a lot of things. And it's one thing to see Jesus do some really cool things, another thing to experience Jesus doing some really cool things in your life. What sort of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. The disciples, they, they were used to being on the Sea of Galilee. They, they hadn't experienced anything like this before. That They knew how the sea behaved. And, and this was nothing short of a miracle from God. Nothing short of a miracle from God. And you're like, going, well, how did they know it was a miracle from God? Um, well, they were good Jewish boys. They, they've been educated in, in the scriptures, right? They, they knew what God's word said. You're like, well, what does God's word say? Well, in Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging of the sea when its waves rise. Ready? You still them. Psalm 107, verse 29, God made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. They knew what God's word said. And this was a light bulb moment for these men, right? God himself, they, they marveled because they recognized that God himself was in their boat. God was in the boat with them. I mean, what sort of man is this that, that even the, the winds and the, the waves and the sea, they obey him? Here's the, the point to the whole story of scripture and the reality of the men that day. Jesus is God. He's God. That's just who he is. <laughs> and he was with them. He had a relationship with them. You know, the authority that belongs to God is the authority that belongs to Jesus. And Jesus is the only one who can deliver you. He's the only one that can restore you from the storms of life. And so Jesus, he, he leads us into storms. Why would he do that? So that he could grow our faith. He just wants to grow our faith and so that we can trust him with our life. I, I wanna close with a, a promise that you can take away today. This promise is not that, that all the storms of your life will, will end soon. Sorry. I wish I, could, I wish I could do that for you today. I wish I could stand here and just kind of wave my hand to a Jedi mind trick kind of thing. I wish I could do that. But that's not, that's not the promise that we find in the Bible. The Bible doesn't guarantee this. I can't. Pastor can't. There's nobody out there that can promise those things. Listen, your, your cancer may not go away and that, and that struggle in your marriage, it, it may not end, it may not end today, it may not end this week, this month, this year. It, it may not go away like that. 
Friends, as a believer, your confidence is not that these storms will end very soon, right? Here's the promise. That in the midst of the storms in your life, you're never gonna be alone. That Jesus is with you. Jesus is in your boat, right? He's with you. God himself in the person of Jesus Christ, he's gonna be with you every step of the way in the midst of all the storms and all the chaos and the frustration and the losses of life. Jesus is there. Faith is, what we need is, is, is faith in the one who has, has power over all of those things. That's what we need, right? And faith is, is not confidence that, that trials won't come our way. That's not what faith is. Faith is confidence that no matter what wind and waves come your way in this world, the God of the universe is always there with you. He's right in the middle of those things with you, and he's in control of that. His power and his presence will see you through. That's what he guarantees. So, so listen, if you're a follower of Jesus today, if you're a Christian, you're not alone. No matter what's going on in your world, Jesus is with you. You just have to trust Jesus with your life. You just have to trust him with, with all of it, not, not some of it, right? Some of us are really good at sitting there going, well, Jesus, I'm going to give you this stuff over here that's difficult. But I got this other thing over here. That's not trusting Jesus with your life, by the way. It's not a 50-50 deal. He, he wants all of it. He wants you to trust in the good things, the happy things, the joyful things, and the things that, that are incredibly different, difficult and, and ugly in your life. As someone who is maybe searching today, maybe you would say, I'm far from God. And man, listen, if, if I could just find hope, I could find peace. Because the stuff that you talked about, the storms, those don't even touch what I'm dealing with right now. Oh, listen, we have the same God. He's the same God. And, and you too must trust Jesus with your life. It's the same for all of us. Listen, these disciples could not conquer this storm with their skill set. Right? Many of them were fishermen. They, they lived on the water. And listen, you're not going to be able to conquer the storms with your skill set, with your money, with, with your talents and abilities. You're not able to do any of those things. You need to come to Jesus and you need to cry out to Jesus, Jesus, save me because I'm perishing. Jesus, I need you to save me, I'm perishing. You need to come to Jesus. You need to cry out to Jesus. And you need to trust Jesus with your life. The Bible packages that in a really interesting way. Jesus himself says that we need to repent and believe. We need to repent of our sins. Not just the things that we're doing, the way we're thinking about those things. The way we're processing that and and to repent, it's that about face, it's that 180. I'm going this way and I'm going to turn. And in our turning, we call out in believing faith on the name that is above every name, the only name that's given to us by which we can be saved, the name of what? Say it with me. Jesus. Not Red Hill Church. Not your family. Not your pastor. The name of Jesus. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, you ready for this? They will be saved. Not someday, that day, that moment. And he gives us that opportunity 
right here, right now. I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be in this place today. And God, my prayer is, um, God, in all of the craziness that's happening in our world, all the things that, are, that, are, that we struggle with, the things that we would categorize as storms and the ugliness of life. God, if we're a believer in this room, we gotta know that you're in our boat, that Jesus is with us. God, if we're not a follower of Christ, God, all of that can change today by recognizing that we're a sinner, that we're far from God, repenting of that sin and calling out and believing faith on the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name to save us. And God, I pray that you would accomplish that and do that right in this moment. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, we're at the time of response. And uh, so I wanna invite those of you who are followers of Jesus to take the Lord's Supper with us. We've got that available on the table. And uh, just like David was, was just saying that um, it's the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus that makes us acceptable in the presence of God. So we take the Lord's Supper every week to remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us, to remind ourselves even as followers of Jesus, especially as followers of Jesus, we're still in the need of the grace of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus. We still need to hear the good news that uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. And if you're here this morning, you found yourself resonating with what David was saying at the end of his sermon there where uh, you, you need to call on the name of the Lord. Could I just invite you to do that this morning? You've got a connection card in your seat. You can fill that out or you can come and meet me over in the hospitality area during the response moment here. I'll be over there to pray with you. If you wanna talk about becoming a follower of Jesus, if there's a storm in your life that's going on and you just want somebody to pray with you about it, man, I would, I would be honored to pray with you about it, to pray for you and to continue doing so. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for Jesus and I'm thankful um, that he doesn't start with the storm, but he starts with me because I'm being conformed into his image, just like you're being conformed into his image. So I wanna encourage you, um, listen carefully to the spirit during this, uh, during this moment, especially and always. Celebrate what Jesus has done for you as you take the Lord's Supper. Remember what he's done for you. Be generous in your giving. Be quick with your obedience. Be sincere with your worship. Everything that we do from this point forward is for the Lord. We belong to him. In just a few moments, Rusty and the band will come up. They'll lead us in some more worship. When you're ready, you can take the Lord's Supper. I'll be available to pray with you should anyone need that. You just respond as the Lord leads.